Welcome to Heart Church. We believe the gospel has the power to change your whole life, all your life. We hope you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. Good morning, everybody. Four minutes left. Good morning. <laughs> they're very quiet over there. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, they're. I thought they were really quiet. They made you look really weak then. Good morning. morning. That's better. We're all in one room together. That's you. Good. Oh, down in the overflow. Good morning. Uh, yes, we heard that. We heard that. You, you, you are a remarkably attractive group of people, by the way. I hope you know what I'm saying. So, and you just tell from your voices, even at this distance. Fantastic. Good morning. My name is Wayne. I'm part of the team here at Heart Church, and I can see a lot of new faces, so if you're visiting us for the first time, just a huge, cuddly Heart Church welcome. I really hope that you come back and join us again sometime soon, and that you enjoy yourself while you're here this morning. Fantastic. Wow, you have turned up, if you're visiting, at an amazing time in the life of this church. God is doing something absolutely amazing. He's moving in this place. Everybody's saying, that's true. That's the truth. That really is the truth. You know, I am, I sing in the car when I'm on my own. That's a bit of a big admission. I sing in the car when I'm, actually sometimes I sing in the car when I'm not on my own and Joanne thinks it's really weird that we'll just be driving along and I'll burst into song. Do you know what I'm saying? And on occasion, I have been known to do and there's people who don't know me in the car and it's very, but this week there's a song that I've been singing, yeah? And it won't let me alone, right? It's not a Christian song, yeah? It goes, it's been a long time coming, but I know a change is going to come. It's been a long time coming, but I know a change is going to come. I just know that there are people in the sound of my voice right now, and you can sense something happening in the spiritual realm. You can sense something's been coming for a long time. And you're thinking, God, it's been a long time coming. (laughs) But it's here. It's here. It's here. And I just know Pastor Malcolm has been speaking a lot recently about this idea of alignment. He's been, uh, the last few weeks he was talking about Zachariah, a guy in the, in the, 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 the New Testament, John the Baptist's father. And he wasn't able to align himself with what God wanted him to do. And God closed his mouth for a season until he could align himself. I just have a real sense that there are people here this morning and there's something that you might have perceived. You knew what it was. You've anticipated. You know it's coming. But I don't ask you, are you ready to receive it? Are you ready to receive the thing that God wants you to have in your life? Because if you're not ready, you know, you can know the parcel's coming. You can be joyfully anticipating its arrival. But if that letterbox is too small and you haven't made arrangements to be in the house when it gets here, then you're going to have to wait some more time. Do you know what I mean? And I can just tell by looking at the faces in front of me right now, you've waited enough. I just want it now. I want to get what God has got for me right now, right here. Um, do you know, let's pray about that. Lord, I just want to thank you that, that, that you brought us to your house this morning to, to show us some stuff. You've brought us to this place this morning to work a transforming work in our lives. And we pray, God, that we will leave this place better than we came in. 
Lord, we pray that you'll meet us here and you'll speak to us here. I ask it in Jesus' name and for your glory, Lord. Amen. Amen. In the days of Jesus, a little bit of a trick thing there, because these are the days of Jesus. (laughs) But in the days of Jesus, he does and did some very radical things, some very confrontational, some very, very disruptive things. He said some things that messed with people's heads. And some of the things, a lot of the things that he talked about were this thing called the kingdom of God. I'm not talking about heaven here. I'm not talking about pie in the sky when you die, although I'm a big fan of a heavenly homeland that I'm going to go and live there forever and ever, pie in the sky when I die. I like pie. I like sky. Not so keen on die, but it's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to happen. I'm talking about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. That's basically what happens when individual people make a decision to say, do you know something, I'm going to align myself with God's agenda. I'm going to align myself with God's rule. I'm going to trust for his provision. I'm going to follow his priorities. I am going to re- I'm recognizing that I've tried doing my agenda and it doesn't work. And I've seen the fruit in the lives of the people I know are on God's agenda. And I see the fruitfulness of their relationships and the fruitfulness of their endeavors. I've seen the fruitfulness of their their lives and I'm saying I want what they're having I want what they're having the kingdom of God but Jesus said some stuff that was quite provocative because he said the kingdom of God is near at hand it's near to you it is within you and a lot of people didn't like the sound of that but you know something when we get to that place where we're living lives where we're marching to the beat, not of our own drum, doing what we feel like. But somebody who knows everything, the omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent God, the one who knows everything and can do anything and is everywhere. Somebody who absolutely loves us and has our best interests at heart. When we know that we're aligning with that, then our relationships with each other, our relationship with ourselves, our relationship with him, it all just falls into place, do you know what I'm saying? And we're not in a situation where we're desperately trying to struggle to get one step forward forward inching forward a little bit at a time we're in a situation where we find that God's spirit is working between us and amongst us and through us and for us and with us and that you do something and it impacts on me and I do something that impacts on you and before we know it we're moving forward in a way that is absolutely like nothing else on earth now that's the change that I'm thinking about when I say there's a change gonna come that's the kind of change I'm interested in that's the kind of change I'm believing for and that's the kind of change I think that we are on the edge of in this house at this season so you've just turned up at the right time when Jesus came and started talking about declaring the kingdom of God though some people misunderstood people do misunderstand sometimes because people have a paradigm in their heads a way of living a way of being a way of thinking that they brought to the table with them and when Jesus starts talking about change very often people think that what that means is I've got to become more I've got to grow more Strong, more powerful, more clever, more capable, more knowledgeable, more self-sufficient. A better version of me. I've got to make that happen. And then when you struggle and you fail and you fall, then you beat yourself up because you haven't lived up to the standard that you feel you were trying to achieve. Constantly driving to do a new thing, a better thing, a better way. In Matthew chapter 18 and verse 1 to 4 it says this. It says, at that time... The disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Okay, Jesus, (laughs) no pressure. Who's the greatest? 
in the kingdom of heaven. And I think they actually were expecting that Jesus would say, well, you're pretty good, but you, you're absolutely amazing, damn me, different. That's not what he did. <laughs> That's not what he did. Jesus, Jesus called a little child to him and he placed the child among them and he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever makes, takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. First thing I want to tell you right now, he didn't rebuke them for wanting to be the greatest. Did you hear that? He didn't rebuke them for wanting to be the greatest. I want to tell you right now, God wants you to be absolutely the best expression of you that you can possibly be. God wants you to know what it is at the end of your life to say, I have lived my life to a full capacity. I am dying empty. You know what I mean? I have given everything I had to give. I have had everything I had to get and I've done my life. That's, there's not, no problem wanting to be the greatest. But what Jesus is saying here is that what greatness looks like in the kingdom of God is something quite different from what you were anticipating that it might look like when you asked that question. You see, they were arguing about precedence and position. And he said, look, the way you're talking, you're not just going to be the greatest or the second greatest. If that's the way you're viewing it, you're not even going to get into the kingdom of God. You're not even going to get in if what you think it's all about is you trying really hard to do really good and be better and better and better than everybody else and to jockey for position and stick your elbows into everybody else. There is something that you've got to do if you're going to enter the kingdom of God. You've got to change, kid. You've got to make some changes. Everyone say, I've got to change. You've got to change, but you've got to change in a different way than you've ever comprehended possible. He said, you've got to change and become like little children. Stop trying to act like a grown-up. Grow down. Grow down. Change and become like little children. Not, not become stronger or cleverer or more powerful or more capable or more knowledgeable. Become like little children. Okay. Jesus knew a thing or three about little children. Jesus knew quite a lot about little children. As, as Lawrence mentioned, as he was leading that baby blessing earlier on, there was a time when people were bringing their children to Jesus to bless him. They were to bless them. They were bringing their children to Jesus. And people rebuked the children. And Jesus was indignant, as Lawrence said. And he said, look, bring them to me. This is what it's all about. He liked being around little children. So let's think about this. Jesus was born as a baby. Now, I know what you're saying. It would have been, yeah, everybody's born as a baby. <laughs> but the thing of it is, right, he's God. And God decides he's going to spend some time face-to-face, hands-on with people. And he doesn't just turn up as a full-grown human being. He arrives in that vulnerable state as a tiny little baby. Not just a baby, but a baby that people are trying to get at. And he ends up having to be a refugee in Egypt for a season of time. And then he comes back to Nazareth where he was brought up. And he played with the other kids. God wanted us to become like little children. God wants us to come like little children, but God's not going to do something, going to ask us to do something that he's not willing to do himself. He actually humbled himself. He humbled him. Philippians 2 says, let this same attitude be in you that was in Christ, 
God's challenging you to change your attitude. And he's saying the attitude he wants you to change to is the attitude that Christ had. Let this same attitude be in you that was in Christ, who being in very nature God thought equality with God, not something to be grasped, but being in, being in human... Sorry. Being made in human likeness, took upon himself the nature of a servant and became obedient even to death on a cross. Jesus knows, God knows what it is to be like a little child. Here's a bit of a thing. Jesus died when he was 33 years old. And depending on which age you would put the transition from childhood to adulthood, he spent between a third and a half of his life on earth when God came to earth as a child. You know, God loves children God wants to be around children God knows what it's like to be like a child in fact Jesus when he was on earth you know a lot of people think wow it's all right for him he was God like he let them crucify him but he knew he was God he could yeah I want to tell you right now Jesus said before he went to heaven he said greater things than these that I've done shall you do he wasn't winding you up. It's the truth because Jesus didn't do the miracles on earth that he did because he was God. He was fully human being. He did those miracles by the power of the Holy Spirit. So that means the things that he did, you can do if you get into the right place. If you get into the right relationship with God. In John 5, verse 17 and 19, it says this. John 5, 17 and 19 says this. It says, in his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day. And I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer, very truly. I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son does also. They wanted to kill him because he had the effrontery to say, God is my father. I am the son of of God. I am a child of God. So knowing children, having stooped to be one, he says to his disciples, you need to change and become like a little child. What does that mean really? Let's think about that. What does it mean to change and become like a little child? You know, sometimes when we talk about that, when we think about that, we think about being simplistic, naive, yeah, we think of that sense of, of, of little children, unquestioning, as if you've just got to, you become a Christian, you hang your brains on the coat hook at the back of the church when you come in, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't think that's what he's talking about at all. That's not what's been talked about at all here. There's a few words that I've been kicking around in my head about what it means to be like a little child. And the first one here is a bit of, it's a bit of two words, really. It's vulnerable and invulnerable. See, children are massively vulnerable. We all know that. They need protection. Bad things can happen to them. But the truth of it is, is that children need protection, not just because they're vulnerable, but because they believe themselves to be invulnerable. Do you get, yeah? They need protection because they feel themselves to be invulnerable. And if they weren't invulnerable, didn't, didn't feel themselves to be invulnerable, they, would be, they would, wouldn't be open to new possibilities, to new ideas. They wouldn't stretch themselves. They wouldn't expand beyond their own natural abilities. They wouldn't explore. They wouldn't discover. They're busy with the business of growing, of maturing, of becoming all that they're supposed to be. So they act like they're invulnerable. But the, the truth of it is, they are vulnerable. Well, they're not. Because every child comes pre-packed with a parent. Do you get that? And the parent's role 
Now, different people have different experiences of that, of that role, but the role of a perfect child is to deal with a p- perfect parent who is able to protect, to nurture, to look after, to care for, to keep an eye on. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah? I know that when, um, when I've got three daughters and Jess is, is 23 now, my, do you know, uh, she's, she's 23 now. Just, by the way, I just want to say this. Um, it says become like little children. It doesn't say become like this specific little child. Everybody little robots acting the same. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Become like little children. Do you know, I want to tell you, I've got three daughters. And when we were having our first child, Beth, Jess, we had the impression, we had the impression that what was going to happen is that God would send us a blank human being that we could design exactly how we wanted her. Do you know what I'm saying? She was going to turn up and we would be able to say, right, we know she's going to be this personality. She's going to be this way of coping with people. She's going to be... And when... When it, arri- when it arrived, we didn't get a blank baby. We got Jess. Do you know, my daughter Jess's first word was, Oh, yeah. She was sat in a pushchair and, and, and she just came across these sounds accidentally. Oh, yeah. And she found out that when she made that noise, people would go, Hello, little one. Are you all right? And she would go, Oh, yeah. And they, and, they would, and they would say, and they would say, Dear me, she's a proper chatterbox, aren't you, cherub? And they would rubber cheat and she'd go, Oh, yeah. Oh, she lovely anyway you've met Jess haven't you <laughs> she arrived as a person and then when our second little girl came along Harriet we thought well we've done this before we know how this works <laughs> we know how this works and Harriet arrived and, Je- and she wasn't Jess <laughs> she wasn't even Jess Mark too she was a completely different person I want to tell you if God says he wants you to become a little child the little child he wants you to become is you do you understand that God hasn't made you you by mistake. He hasn't made your kids them by mistake. He wants them to be who they are. But there's something about how you are as you grow up as a believer that you need to be authentically you but vulnerable. And you'll notice that that invulnerability, the vulnerability combination, only works because the child is doing what they're doing. Being vulnerable. But they're made invulnerable because they've got somebody looking out for them. They've got somebody protecting them. When we were, when Je- we used to go to a little church about 100, 120 people in Bradford when Jess was a little girl. And uh, I would watch her wandering all over the church sometimes. And I would be standing there looking at, I wouldn't take my eyes off her. I wouldn't take my eyes off her. I wouldn't take my eyes off her. And if I ever did take my eyes off her, she would run straight back to me. But when I had my eye on her, she'd every now and again check up and she'd know that I was watching. She'd know that I was looking. She can be vulnerable and feel invulnerable. That's what being a child's about. You've got somebody bigger than you looking out for you. She can expose herself to risk. Children are safe to be open because they have protection. Expose themselves to risk and learn to trust. The next thing about children are faith-filled. They're faith-filled because they learn to trust Little children, I'm talking little children here. I'm talking the child before they get, before they learn the bad habits, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm talking about me when I was about five. Realistic, if you ask my mum, she would say four. <laughs> okay, three and a half. Okay, yeah. You've got that trusting, do you know what I'm saying? If dad said he'll do it, he'll do it. I don't need a, yeah. Trust, faith filled. They're able to do that. Because they make themselves vulnerable and they find that people are looking out for them. You, you, right now, you don't need an awful lot of faith. Do you know that? You only need enough faith to rely on the things that you're supposed to rely on. Yeah? You only, I, I was listening to a, 
a guy who was a preacher who used to travel all over the world and he said, you know, somebody came to me once and they said, you must have great faith in your wife because you go all over the world and leave her on her own. And he said, I'm not like what you're telling me about my wife. I haven't got great faith in my wife. I've just got a great wife. <laughs> I've got a little bit of faith in a great wife. I only need a little bit of faith because she's a great wife. And if I didn't have faith, she'd still be a great wife. And if I had more faith, you wouldn't make her any more great. Like if I had a chair on this stage right now, the chair would be strong and the chair would carry my weight. And me having faith in the chair wouldn't make it any stronger. But me having faith in this chair might mean I sit on it and I rest my legs. If I have more faith, the chair doesn't get any stronger. It's a good chair. I only need a little bit of faith. But what being childlike looks like, what changing becoming like a little child is, is that you're not second guessing every 15 minutes because you know that somebody who you can rely on is speaking to you. You know that you can depend on what you're being told and you know that you're being protected by somebody far much, far bigger and stronger and more powerful than you. So being faith-filled, being trusting is part of being a little child. And if a little child doesn't have that faith-filled aspect to their character, doesn't have that trusting aspect to their development, then they can end up being stunted and not experience the fullness of what they should be exposing themselves to in order to live the full life that they've been designed to live. Little children have a sense of wonder. I just love going new places with little kids. You know? <gasps> oh. I love that thing where you buy a kid an amazing present in a big box and they ignore the present and play with the box. Because they know what the stuff really exciting is about. Do you know, do you know what I'm saying? You, do you know what I mean? Yeah, you see a kid eating a jam sandwich who's about four. Oh, it's absolutely the most amazing thing. You, you see them seeing a new thing, experiencing. They've just got a sense of wonder. And if you're going to become like a little child, you've got to find that sense of wonder. Romans 1 verse 20 says this in the Bible. I, think, I love this. It says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. I want to ask you this morning, have you lost your sense of wonder? Because God has created the universe so beautiful, so amazing, that you're supposed to look at it, and that wonder is supposed to make you think, having looked at that sunset, I know there is a God. Having walked around the corner and seen the mountains at the side of that lake, I just sense that there is a God. Having listened to that music, having watched that movie, having tasted that cake, I know there is a God. Looking in the eyes of that woman when she says, I do, you say, yes, I know there is a God. Little children have got that. They've got a sense of wonder. Little children are dependent. Yeah, They are dependent. Someone has it covered, so I don't need to worry. I can get on with the big stuff. I can get involved in the wonder and the invulnerability and the jelly. You know, you ask a four-year-old, you know what I mean, what are you going to have for tea? I don't know. You don't know. Do you not need to get some shopping done? It's all taken care of. There's a dependence that means I'm not fretting about stuff that's nothing to do with me. There's a dependence that means I'm just happy to, to be who I am, to be where I am, to be doing what I'm doing. And Jesus said, become like a little child. Develop that ability just to trust, just to be vulnerable, just to be dependent, and just to deal with the important stuff of being who you're supposed to be. Little children are humble. 
I'm not talking about, they don't beat them. Oh, I'm not very clever. You don't want to listen to me. I'm not talking about beating. You know, some people have a thing that they call humility, and it's actually self-hatred. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's actually kind of like, yeah, it's actually, I, I, if I criticize myself, you know, eventually somebody will rush in and tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. or if I criticize myself enough, then nobody will believe I'm being proud. Humility is about having a right understanding of yourself. And if you can't do it, you know you can't do it. And if you're small, you know you're small. And if you need somebody else, you know you need somebody else. And if you're big and clever and amazing and you can do it, then you're big and clever and you're amazing and you can do it. And that's fine. You can acknowledge that. And little children... I've got that. They've got that sense of humility. They've got flexibility. You know, when you think about it, kids, they can believe something absolutely true today and then tomorrow learn something that completely contradicts what they thought was totally true yesterday and they just let go of what they knew yesterday and embrace what they know today. Have you ever seen that? They're just like, are you not bothered? No. Just leave it behind, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, they've got this favorite thing and then they get a new thing and the favorite thing is, oh, it's gone now. Absolute flexibility, they can just turn on a dime. And because they've got that flexibility, there's just that sense of a, a belief that there's nothing that I can't do, there's nothing that I cannot be. Do you know, when I was a kid, if you'd have asked me, What are you going to do when you grow up? I would have said, uh, Sometimes I would have said, I want to be a stuntman because I'd been watching The Six Million Dollar Man about a guy with a robot arm and a robot leg and a robot ear and a robot eye. Yeah. And sometimes I say, I want to be the six million dollar man. And sometimes I would say, I want to be a doctor. And sometimes I want to say, I want to be a journalist. And sometimes I want to, I, I could be anything. I could be absolutely, because you've got that flexibility. And because you've got that flexibility and you've got that optimism, you've got the possibility of growth. You've got the possibility of letting go of what's behind and pushing on into the future and becoming what you're supposed to be. They've got a healthy relationship with time. I remember once when Beth was about 10, my youngest daughter. She was 10, I was about 45. And we were sitting at the dinner table one evening. And, um, and I said, dear me, I don't know where the year's going. The years pass so quickly these days. And she's 10. And she said, well, it's obvious really. Why, isn't it? And I said, okay, Beth, why is it obvious? And she said, well, I'm 10. And to me, a life feels like 10 years. And... One year feels like a tenth of a life, which is a lot. And I've got six lives left, or seven. But to you, a life feels like 45 years, and one year feels like a 45th of a life, which isn't very much, and you've only got half of one left. <laughs> and then she just carried on eating a dinner. <laughs> and I was crying, and there was snot, and it was horrible, you know I mean? Uh, it was really, really, really horrible. Because kids just have a perspective of that time where basically there's plenty of time. They've just got a sense of the eternal dimension. Whereas human beings, adults, we can get to a place, human beings, what? Adults can get to a place where we think, I've got to get it done now. I've got to make it happen now. I've got to get there by the time I'm 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or 70. I want to get driven. You can get to that point where you go down a blind alleyway thinking I've missed it up because I'm not married by the time I'm 24. I'm not, I haven't got a kid by the time I'm, or I haven't got that job by the time I was 40 or I haven't got, you can get to that place. Whereas kids just have a sense that you can tell that they're just living in a sense of an openness and expansiveness of time they have an intense level of flexibility that allows them to do that it's almost like they're speaking speaking from God's perspective when it comes down to time the thing of it is all of these things that we've just described 
should make children massively weak, should make them totally vulnerable to being damaged significantly. But instead, what it actually does, it, it gives them the potential to make huge leaps forward in a relatively short period of time, to learn, to know, to understand, and to become. And the reason that they're able to do that is very, very simple. You see, the thing of it is, is what kids are aware of, success in life is not about what you do. Yeah, the reality of it is, is that if it's all about what you do, then if you ever do something significantly wrong, then you've finished, you're over. And then some people think, well, actually, success is about how I be. Because if I learn a way of being, then I get to do what I want to do. But if that how I be isn't rooted in any sense of authenticity, do you know what I'm saying, yeah? It's, a, it's just a play act. Then again, it's very, very vulnerable to collapse. Do you know what I'm saying, yeah? Kids very often just have a sense of who I am. I know who I am. Yeah, I've just got a sense. Little children have that sense of who I am. But the truth of it is, is that if you just left them on their own just to be who they am, there's an awful lot that could go wrong. You see, the thing that helps kids to be that way is that they are aligned with other people. They're aligned with parents. They're aligned with a supportive community. That's what enables them to be who they are, to find out how they should be, and then eventually become who they're supposed to be. Jesus wasn't just saying to them, the disciples, you become like little children. He was saying, you become like little children, and you align yourself with who you're supposed to align yourself with. You draw what you need to draw from me and from my heavenly father. See, the truth of it is, is children are invulnerable because they have protection. We're supposed to be invulnerable, even though we feel vulnerable, because we have a father God who looks out for us who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, who never sleeps or slumbers, who watches over us, who rejoices over us with singing, whose heart is towards us. We have a heavenly father. We're supposed to be trusting because we've got his protection and faith-filled because of his faithfulness. We are supposed to be, have a sense of wonder because he wants to expose us to all of his, visible, of his invisible qualities. That's what God wants us to be. We're supposed to be dependent we're supposed to be dependent because we can trust him. We have faith in his sufficiency. Because we're supposed to be dependent because of trust, because of faith, because of insufficiency, and because of the blessings that surround us. That we can look at those blessings and say, I'm insufficient. I'm massively blessed. I can trust him. We're supposed to be humble due to our recognition of our lack and his bounty and my parlous state if I choose to rely on my supply and not on his. Do you know something? If I ask you, um, if you're thirsty, would you choose this? Or this? That's a no-brainer, isn't it? Because there's water in that one. But if I said, if you're, you're thirsty, and this is all you're going to have for the rest of your life to drink, would you choose this? Or this? Well, it's generally speaking pretty much irrelevant because neither of them is going to be enough. But if I said, this is all you've got for the rest of your life and you can have this with this big capacity and some really 
lovely water in it. Or you can have this and access to a tap. It's a no-brainer again, isn't it? It's a no-brainer again. You know, so often when we try and act like grown-ups, we think my sufficiency is enough. I can handle stuff because I've got capacity. I've got some really, really good stuff in here and that's going to be enough. But God's challenging us to say, no, true humility brings you to a place like a little child where you say, I might be small. This is what I've got, but I'm counting on you to keep me supplied. I might be vulnerable, but I've got a good, good father who is watching after me, looking after me, looking out for me. When God calls to be little children, he calls us to grow. Growing because we receive food from him that helps us to grow. Growing because we receive protection from him that allows us to grow. Growing because he's designed us to grow. He calls us to be that. So how can we do that? How can we become like little children? Well, the first thing is, if you're going to do what Jesus says in terms of inheriting the kingdom of God by becoming like a little child, somewhere deep inside, and I would say not even deep inside, somewhere there's got to be a move of the Holy Spirit in your heart and mind where you have a motivation to want that. Something that basically says, God is my Father. I sense his presence. I know his love. And I know that it will be better if I acted like his child rather than trying to call the shots and rule the roost and act big as if I know what's going on I come into right relationship with him so how do you become a child of God in John 1 verse 12 to 13 it says yet to all who did receive him that's Jesus to those who believed in his name he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. It says here that to anybody who receives Jesus as their Lord, as their personal saviour, and enters into a relationship with God on that basis, receives the right to become children of God. My mother and father-in-law used to live in the Royal Forest of Dean. Anybody ever heard of the Royal Forest of Dean? Royal Forest Dean is an amazing place and there's some really, really interesting ancient rules and laws that attach to the people who live in the Royal Forest of Dean. If you're born within the hundredth of St. Breville's, which is a distance from this village right in the middle of the Forest of Dean, um, between certain months you're allowed to let your pigs roam wild in the Forest of Dean and forage for acorns. Do you know that? Very good. And you're actually allowed to have sheep and to let them wander through the streets all over the Forest of Dean. And also, if you're born within the hundredth of St. Breville's and therefore you're a proper forester, what you're allowed to do, if you work for a year and a day in a mine, you're allowed to go anywhere in the forest and just start digging for tin. And there are people who do that still. There are loads of people who don't do that because just because you've got the right to do it doesn't mean that you do it. Do you know what I'm talking about? I want to tell you right now, there are people who make a decision to say, I'm going to make Jesus the Lord of my life. But they don't make themselves like little children. They get acquainted with God. They get acquainted with church life. But they don't change and become like little children. They don't decide to say, do you know, God, it's your way. I'm trusting your protection. See, it's an active choice. It's an active choice to change and become like a little child. 
I remember listening to a guy, Paul Scanlon, some of you have heard him from Bradford a few years ago, and he talked about people who grow, has anybody ever seen on documentary programs, giant carrots, giant pumpkins, giant turnips. And he said, in this church, we grow giants. We grow giants. But you know the difference between a giant and a non-giant? Well, the difference between a giant carrot and a normal carrot is that normal carrots grow. Giant carrots are grown. Somebody makes a decision that they want them to be that way. There's a real sense in this room that I have this afternoon that God is coming and saying, I want you to become like a little child and to enter the kingdom of God. I want you to know what it is. I want you to know what that is. And as I'm speaking, I believe that there are individuals in the sound of my voice, and this is chiming with your heart. You're saying, that's what I want. And I recognize the fact that at times I have tried by my own agenda. I have tried by my own effort. I have tried so hard to be sufficient to be enough now the thing of it is I'm not just speaking to really really flaky weak needy people if the word of God is true then every single human being was designed to have two dads yeah and you might say yeah but my experience of being parented is just different from that well it might well be my experience of parent or being, being parented by my dad was really weird but I want to tell you right now, I, have, I am having a privileged childhood because I have an all-knowing, all-loving, all-caring, all-powerful, ever-present Father who looks out for me. And if you haven't got that, I want to tell you right now that you were built to have that. And when you've got that, your own experience of parenthood, of being a parented, I want to tell you right now, I learned how to be a great dad by, from a great dad. He's called my heavenly father. My heavenly father. The musicians are playing that song, you're a good, good father. You're a good, good father. Let's, let's, you lead us in it, is that all right? Well, stay seated, is that all right? You are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am. season I just feel that God's calling some people here to get to know your dad to spend time with him to prevail on his goodness to experience the relentlessness of his love the bounty of his provision to learn to take risks and trust his protection to do something that makes you scared to jump and let him catch you or to pick you up and dress your skin knees and cuddle you and laugh and show you how next time to climb that tree just for fun to take time to wonder to savour each flavour of life to appreciate the beauty of the sunset of your wife of the glorious green of the moss in the cracks beneath the, between the paving slabs 
to choose not to worry about things that he has promised, that he has covered and to get on with the important stuff instead. There's nothing that you can't be. There's nothing that you can't do. You have all the time of eternal life at your disposal and the resources of a good, good Father God. Stop laying down the law and lay down your life. Trusting and believing, faith-filled and courageous. Stop growing up. Start growing down. Change and become like little children. Change and become like little children. I'm going to say a prayer now. And if you're in this room, let's everybody say this prayer together. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for me. I'm making a way where I can be a child of God. I receive you now. I ask you to be the Lord of my life and lead me to receive all of the blessings of being a child of God. Now, wherever everybody's got their eyes closed and their heads bowed, if you're in this room now or if you're in the overflow and you prayed that prayer for the first time or, or maybe you prayed it not for the first time but you know that you haven't been living as a child of God. While everybody's, nobody's looking, I'd like you to put your hands above your head. Somebody put a card in your hand and we'd love to pray with you after this service. Is there anybody in that situation right now? Put your hand high above your head. Praise God over here. Is anybody else in that situation this morning? Put your hand high above your head. Anybody else over here? Praise God. Anybody in the overflow? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God there's somebody else over here. Anybody else in that situation this morning? Put your hand high above your head. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You've come to the end of this message. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Stay up to date with everything going on in the life of our church by checking out our social media. Just search Heart Church UK.